blessing to be with all of you today. You know, when a lot of people want something that's in short supply, some really bad things can happen. What would it take to get you out of bed early on Black Friday? To arise from your food coma and to go out and battle the crowds? How much savings would it take for you to enter that spectacle? 2017 was a relatively peaceful Black Friday. The only things I could find that really happened that day were one man had a shattered hip after wrestling with another person over electronics. A second person was shot outside a mall in Missouri. And in, in Houston, two people were involved uh, in injuries following a large brawl in which one of them was stabbed, another was shot, but nobody knew what had happened. I'm sure because they were still thinking about keeping their place in line. They would do almost anything to get through for something like that. And even if you don't follow the Black Friday things, I'll bet you know similar situations as well. Probably later today or tomorrow, some of us will be jostling for position at the airport, trying to get just that much far ahead of someone so we get the precious overhead space in the bin. And if you're flying tomorrow, it's mine. If you're at a concert with open seating, we rush to get to the stage as close as we can. Or maybe the worst of all, how do you get that turkey burger before class starts? The most cutthroat competition there can be. You see, when we're focused on something limited and thinking only of our own needs, we don't often think about the needs of another person. But what if that limited thing was a cure for disease? What if it was a cure for cancer, but only one person could have it. That's the setup for the story that we have today from John chapter 5. On Fridays during this month, we're going to be looking at stories from John that show us how Jesus restores things. And today, he restores life to a person who's broken. So here's how the story starts. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roof colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. This is what it looks like today, the pool of Bethesda. It was two pools deep enough to dive into, separated by a bit of a dam. That's the bridge-looking thing in the middle. And it's probably right there that the sick people gathered to be able to fall into either pool as they were able. Now, if you're familiar with this story, you may think that something's missing here, and indeed there is. If you can read that on the screen, take a look at the verse numbers. I didn't cut anything out. It really does say one, two, three, five. Because there's another verse that's in some older Bibles, wherever that went. I'm not made for this kind of microphone. There's another verse that goes in some other Bibles. We know now that it's not in the earliest manuscripts of John. It's likely something that people added in to explain the story about a hundred years after it was first written down. They wrote it in to explain what they all thought was true about that. Uh, but because we don't know that it was in the original, we never want to include things in the Bible that we aren't confident that were there in the original text. So we skip over that, rightly so, in our modern translations. But here's what it says. It gives you some context. 
For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred the water. Whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was healed of whatever disease he had. And notice that whoever steps in first. Now again, that's not part of the original. And I think that gives us an interesting thing to think about. I don't know if that really worked. I don't know if there really was healing in the water the way that people think they did. And the Bible doesn't tell us that was the reality. It's simply telling us what people are doing. And whether it was real or not, it was at least perceived by people that that power was there. Now, maybe God really did work in this way, that at random the waters would stir up and there was healing. Maybe it was just a Jerusalem legend. Or maybe a whole bunch of people piled into the water And all of them thought, well, it must have been someone else today. But the thing that's true about this is that the people who didn't get in were probably the people who needed healing the most. In fact, I find it really easy to think that people of power and responsibility and privilege and wealth might have been able to hire people to help them get into the water and in all likelihood to help other people stay out of the water. And so you end up like people, with people like the guy in our story, people who wait and wait and wait. 38 years he longed for healing and nothing changed until Jesus comes along. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to them, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So here's Jesus. Seeing all these people wanting healing... Jesus doesn't come in and do a blanket miracle. He doesn't throw out the holy healing hand grenade to cure everybody in the region. Instead, he looks into the crowd and he finds the one person with the most need and goes straight to them. Do you want to be healed? Now, the man launches into what was probably his ordinary speech, designed to get gifts given to him to support him in his weakness. He tells him about what what it is. No one's going to help me, but Jesus does. Get up, take your bed, and walk. And he does. Now, the interesting thing about the Sabbath is that as soon as religious leaders saw him walking on the day of rest and carrying a bed with him, they attacked. How dare you break the Sabbath? What's he going to say? Someone came to me with the power of God and brought me healing, and he told me to pick up my bed and walk, and I'm going to do what he says. They investigate, and they determine it's Jesus. And as the story goes on, we know, verses 16 and 17, this is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father is working now, and I am working. I read between the lines. The leaders knew that a miracle had happened. If Jesus hadn't really done a miracle, they wouldn't have persecuted him for doing it on the Sabbath. 
They knew that a miracle had happened. More importantly, the man who was healed knew it. How does this connect to us? You know, the whole world, whether they know it or not, are lying around by the side of a pool of healing. The blessings of God are available freely for everybody. The gifts that solve our biggest problems, and they're right there, but just out of reach. As much as we want to get to those things, we don't have the ability to pick ourselves up and move into the midst of God's blessings so that we can receive them. Oh, they're available to everybody, but as much as I try to put myself at the center and get them, I fail. And I could stay in that failure, but Jesus doesn't want to let me. He walks right up to us, looks us in the eye, and says, you want to be healed. There's nothing you can do for this healing, but let him give it to you. Because Jesus isn't coming to take away our physical ailments or our small problems, though God has the power to do that sometimes. His real mission is to take away the biggest brokenness we have. Our separation from each other, our separation from God, the sin that divides us, the hostility, the brokenness that's so much a part of our lives, and all of it ends in death. And Jesus comes to us, and he freely says, let me give you what you need. And Jesus even connects that blessing with something so physical, so tangible, you can touch it and you can feel it. Because in his last days on earth, Jesus came to his disciples and said, make disciples, make my children by baptizing them and by teaching them. Here in the water, Jesus promises to come. This water has God's promise attached to it. He says right here is healing and life. And you know, there's always water in this font. And unless we're trying to be really quiet, the water's moving, stirred up. And it's here so that if you've been baptized, you can walk by and remember, right here, God adopted me. Right here, he called me by name. Right here, he brought me healing. If you are baptized, touch the water on the way out and remember. And if you're not, we'd love to talk with you about giving you that gift from God and celebrating with you in the blessings that he promises to give. Because Jesus is coming to you right now and says, get up. Take your bed and walk.